0: Hello, and thanks for joining me for the Friday Reporter Podcast. My name is Lisa Camuso Miller, and I am a public affairs professional in Washington, D.C., talking to reporters from all across the country about how it is they do their work and how it is we as communication professionals can do ours better. Thank you so much for joining me today for another episode of the Friday Reporter Podcast. Today's episode is going to be one where we can talk about uh, what it's like to cover healthcare and what it's like to cover Congress and maybe where there are parallels between the two. Uh, My colleague and and friend Jennifer Habercorn from the LA Times is here today. And uh, hey, Jen, thanks so much for being with me.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Lisa. This will be fun.
0: So tell me a little bit about how it is. Have you always wanted to be a journalist? Are you one of those sort of did you were you at the student paper? Tell me how it is uh, you got started and then we'll get from how you got from Affordable Care Act to covering Congress.
1: Yeah, um, I have always liked to write, um, you know, basically, like since I was a little kid, I always like to write. And then um, in high school, I you know, just was trying to think about how I turned that into a profession mm-hmm. and I'm naturally an introvert. I feel like most of my journalist friends are are extroverts. Um, but I kind of combined the writing with, even though I'm an introvert, I feel like I'm a naturally nosy person. Um, <laughs> I love that. and I just made that into a profession. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I worked at my high school paper and college paper and, um, uh, Came out to DC right after I graduated, and uh, you know I've been very lucky. I graduated from college, uh, you know, kind of right before um, the economy collapsed, mm-hmm. and uh, I got very lucky that I you went to had Marquette job right out of college. You went to Marquette, yeah, so I went that's
0: to Marquette right. Where did you? Where, and was ho- where was home? Chicago. Oh, okay, good.
1: So very close to Marquette, mm-hmm. and um, you know I loved the Midwest, but I. When I was in college, I really wanted to live somewhere outside the Midwest for a little while. Yeah. And came yeah. out to DC thinking I'd stay here for a couple of years and you know, many years later I'm still here. <laughs> we all
0: we all have that same story, don't we?
1: <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> so you got to DC. So when you first arrived, did you start at Politico? What did you what did what did you do? Oh, I know. I think I know where you were before this. Tell me where you were. where did you get started? <laughs>
1: I started at the Washington Times. Mm-hmm. Um, I interned there and um, I started on the business desk. And um, I got very lucky in that maybe two months into my um, uh, in, into working there, the retail beat opened.
0: Oh, fun. And
1: so it was covering. Yeah, it was covering restaurants and um, uh grocery stores and retail development in Washington and if you remember at that time this was 2006 seven washington dc was really undergoing a lot of rebirth Definitely. Um, the convention center area mm-hmm. was totally different than what it looks like now and it was just a very fun beat and it was very um it was a great intro to journalism because it was very accessible to me as a as a uh, you know like I was writing about like things that I would have done in my natural life anyway. So, sure. it was um it was a great place to start and a great place to build beat reporting. Um so I covered business for a little while and then I moved um briefly covered Congress for them as the ACA was um being drafted in
0: 2009.
1: Mm-hmm. Um and then when the law passed, I moved to politico to write about its implementation.
0: And that was I mean, that was a messy, messy time. There was not a lack of stories to write. And that's not a criticism of it because any change in policy at all anywhere is messy, right? I mean, that's just how the process comes together and trying to reform the healthcare industry alone and make changes that are going to affect many, many, many Americans is, is big. And for Politico too, I mean, I imagine just because having known the pace and the known the sort of model of work that you did when you were there, you must have been living, eating and breathing healthcare and healthcare policy for for the time that you were with Politico. Is that true?
1: Oh my gosh, yes. Um, Politico was very young at the time. I started there in 2010. and yeah. I think it was about four years old. And so, yes, it was very much... Um, it felt 24-7. Yeah. Um, and and the law was very controversial at the time. Mm-hmm. We were writing about, you know, deep in the weeds of regulations, um, but it was still like very interesting and um, front page stories about how regulations were being developed. I mean, there was one group that was writing regulations on conference calls um, with insurance commissioners around the country and there'd be dogs barking, and uh kids screaming in the background but they were writing rules about how the ACA was going to be implemented and affecting so many people's lives and it was a really cool introduction to the regulatory process in a way that was again very accessible to people because it was this huge political controversy
0: mm-hmm. well The dogs barking and the kids in the background prepared you for the pandemic, if nothing else, right? I didn't realize it (laughs) at the time. You had no idea that this was training ground for greater and weirder times. (laughs) But so um, was that before uh, Politico had pro? Was that was that before that, or were you there for that transition?
1: That was kind of the precursor to Pro. Yeah. Um, there was Political Pulse, mm-hmm. which was um, set up as a newsletter during the ACA by Chris Freights, mm-hmm. who I think you've spoken to. He's been a guest, um, yeah. Yes. Um, and so he, he started Pulse during the crafting of the ACA. Sarah Cliff, who's now at the New York Times, she and I uh, did Pulse right after the law passed. And so then Pulse eventually was the template that they used to create Pro. Yeah. Um. And I remember being in the meeting about when they first told us that we were going to go behind a paywall and, you know, start this empire. And we all the people involved sat around one conference table. And oh we as reporters were very skeptical that it was going to work. Yeah. And, you know, obviously we were totally wrong. It turned into this huge, very successful empire. So, you know, I, I, I will th- fully admit that I was wrong in my trepidations. That well, I, I mean, how could you
0: ever have known? I mean, I think, I think plenty of us had the same thought, like well, you've offered so much content for so long. People like you were waking up at three o'clock in the morning to get the headlines in your head and living these like really sort of treadmill lives. Um, and then to think that that would then turn into sort of a paid product was totally different and totally fresh and, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, in hindsight, totally brilliant. So good for them. But then, so, um, so you get this great training ground at Politico and then, so how does that translate to like LA? Tell me a little bit about that.
1: (laughs) It's not a natural transition per se. Yeah. Um, so I, I wrote about the ACA for eight years. Um, very grateful for that time, uh, repeal efforts, the Supreme courts, all the state implementation of the law. Um, but after Republicans failed to repeal the law, I kind of felt, in 2017 i felt like i'm done writing about one law i
0: need to move on girl you have yeah you covered all of it (laughs) you saw the ins the outs Um, and all of it yeah
1: yeah exactly um so at that time i moved to the la times to write about congress full-time um Mm -hmm. i really enjoyed the congressional aspect of writing about the ACA and um i i simply expanded it to kind of everything within congress and um I'm not from L.A., I'm not even from California, mm-hmm. but uh, I've really enjoyed writing for that audience. Um, it's It was very interesting to go from writing for Politico, which is very insider. You don't need to explain cloture. Mm-hmm. Every little movement is very interesting to almost the exact opposite of that, where I'm writing for people who are thousands of miles away and are interested in politics, but you know not following the ins and outs of every single day. So you really have to... I really had to get wise about what is the moment in this, you know, process of the evolution of a bill to to jump in and write about it for my audience mm-hmm. and ignoring the little things that, you know, were newsy at Playco. But just it doesn't translate to an audience that is thousands of miles away and not you just, you know, doesn't have the bandwidth to worry about, like, if a chairman introduced his his chairman's mark
0: yeah it doesn't it's not relevant it also by the way i think is a great skill as um as a communicator too like a big piece of what we do when we write um you know any kind of persuasive communication document whatever it is whether it's a speech whether it's a um advertising doc whatever it is there are so many things that we when we write we need to think about how do we take this out of this sort of washington dc speak and turn it into something that people can care about and so how how fun for you to be able to do that to like try to turn it into something that you know keeps people smart that are outside of washington dc but also makes it relevant to um to the folks you know at home in California and right. in LA and LA is like such a big regional paper. Like, I mean, it's not, it's much as it's LA, like it is. Su- they're super lucky to have you too, because it's um, the kind of paper that isn't just, you know, people are reading it all across the West coast. It is a must read yeah. uh, publication. So that's so fun for them to have you. And so, but you're in Thanks. the Washington office, mm-hmm. you're here in DC. How has um, how has pandemic changed your life? I mean, have you have you had to travel? Have you had to be sort of back? Um, have, do you go back to do you go to California? So tell me a little bit. What's what's that looked like for you for the last 14 or so months?
1: Yeah, it was totally different. Um, so I I really stay in D.C. I haven't been to L.A. very often. Mm-hmm. Um, and before the pandemic, I would be on the Hill almost every day that Congress was in session and. Um, And I'm realizing now that one lesson I've learned from the pandemic is that I don't really need to be there every day. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, as, as a reporter, you just, you know, I was on on the Hill yesterday and I just ran into so many people that had, I had casual conversations with, and even if I didn't get a news tip, it was like, Oh, I haven't seen you. Like, remember that I exist next time you have an interesting story. And those in-person communications as little as they can be are so important. Um, but I, I did realize I don't need to be there every day. So, um, you know, during the pandemic, it was a lot of k- sitting at my kitchen Island and trying to get lawmakers to call me on the phone, mm-hmm. which is like totally hit or miss. Yeah, um, yeah. and, and thinking about coverage in a slightly different way, um, just, uh, you know, what are the most important things and really being much more targeted about my approaches, because if I was going to go to the Hill, I had to be really exact about what I was doing there mm-hmm. and what I had to get out of that trip versus if I was there every day before. Um, it's very easy as a congressional reporter to ca- get caught up in the news of the day. Mm-hmm. And I I one really great lesson that I learned from David Rogers, um, who's Amazing reporter, a Wall Journal. He was at Politico. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, he gave me this. I, I mean, he gave everyone this tip, but um, to to really write down at the beginning of the day on a note card the three things that you're interested in that day. Mm-hmm. One is like the story that you're trying to file, and like you know, other questions that might come up if you run into the right person. And I've really taken that to heart because it's so easy to get caught up in whatever the shiny object is that day or whatever everyone else is asking about in Mm -hmm. scrums. And you could really get just swept up in writing the story. Everyone else is writing very easily.
0: Boy, that's really good advice. That's a good, I think that's good advice for anybody in Washington really Uh, sort of focus in when you get started in your morning on the three things that you need to care about. Um, Mm -hmm. So you spent so much time covering healthcare, but if you were to reflect now back on on your writing career. Is there a particular story? Is there a particular uh, piece of news? Is there something that you think back on and sort of reflect positively on? Is there something that you really especially enjoyed covering over the course of your career?
1: That's a great question. Um, I think looking back, the early implementation of the ACA um, is probably going to stand out to me, Mm -hmm. mostly because, like I said, it was very in the weeds regulatory, but it, it did ultimately affect so many people. Mm. And um, the, the I think it was, you know, as much as um, government officials don't like that bright sh- spotlight on what they're doing, mm-hmm. I think it was really important that the, that me and the other reporters who were covering that were very aggressive and um, providing that kind of, you know, fourth estate oversight that, um, is really important.
0: Yeah. I don't think in our lifetime, I mean, there will probably be two or three of these big moments. Right. And that was such a big moment when, you know, look, the, the government was making a hardcore, a pivot and change in the way that healthcare Mm -hmm. was addressed by the government. And look, I mean, they had to be held to, you know, under the spotlight to a standard. And, and you did that. And that I can see, I could see that being just such a big pivotal moment. And in, in, it would be hard to imagine there being more than one or two more of those in our career, you know, the lifetime of our career. Mm-hmm. So I can totally see how that would be, um, big and, and smart and involved. I mean, you know, there's plenty of things that happen in the Congress from day to day. I mean, what is it they say about Congress that, uh, they either, uh, do nothing or overreact, right? So we've seen both. <laughs> we've seen both yeah. in our career. Um, but I could see how that would be just um just a, and 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 such a lesson learning time too, right? And and being so um early on in your career too, to be something that would just be um just your guidepost going forward. Mm-hmm. So here we are, we're 14 or so months into this uh, staying from home, uh, occasionally going to the Capitol with our mask on, wondering if that's, I mean, seeing people where we see them. I, I feel like half the time at the supermarket, I say, I think I know that person, but I don't think I'm going to say hi, because I can't tell right. with the mask on. <laughs> So that's got to be weird when you go into the Capitol. But, you know, so we live in Washington, and there's lots of cool stuff. Like you said, your your time at the Washington Times, you were out and about and seeing new and cool things that were happening what kinds of things are keeping you busy on the weekends? Like what are you, you know, what are, what's, what's keeping you active in this not so active time?
1: Um, So I uh, do pottery Mm -hmm. and I've done that um, basically since I moved to DC and um, that's really been my escape. I love just like getting my hands in clay. Um, It really forces you to put down your phone unless you want your phone to get all dirty. Good
0: good tip. And uh,
1: it's, it's just a great, it's a great different part of my life that mm-hmm. doesn't really involve reporting or politics, and I love it. That's It's a, a, it's a great art escape.
0: Yeah. what I mean, I had not even thought about that. I, I have a teenager who will someday soon drive. Uh, and I have another friend of mine who has a son that drives and said he got his son a, a stick shift, a car that was a stick shift, just because it would force him to put down his phone. So <laughs> pottery is now number two in the in the sources of things that make it difficult for you to be... On your phone in Washington. Um, So so Jen, my my final question is always, uh, who would you recommend for a future episode for the podcast?
1: So I'm going to recommend my friend Sungmin Kim at the Washington Post. Um, She's a great reporter and a great person. And uh, I think she'd be a great person to talk to.
0: That's a great, great recommendation. In fact, this is now her second nomination because Paul King, that's okay because I haven't even asked her yet. So I can't wait to tell her that you and another guest uh, of the podcast have nominated her. She was at Politico with you when you were there. Is that right?
1: That's right. Yeah. yeah, we, We both worked at Politico at the same time and now she sits across from me in the Senate Daily Press Gallery
0: and uh, she's uh, breaking news every day, like you are, and she's exactly. doing great work. And I would love to have her as a guest, and I can't wait to tell her now that she has she that makes her the first ever to be nominated twice for the podcast. So now she uh, hopefully will feel even more inclined to come join me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Jen Habercorn, thank you so much for being with me today for the podcast. It was such a treat to get to chat to chat and to catch up.
1: This was great. Thanks so much, Lisa.
0: And that's today's episode of the Friday Reporter. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America.